Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Tegan, how are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, just uh, had a couple good good campaign weeks or my different games, so it was just uh, definitely a fun week for D&D. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lots of good stuff going on there, uh, my end as well. Uh, we've got a uh, cool episode today for you. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how to improve yourself as a player, uh, cover a whole spectrum of topics. We have uh, one of my players that I've played with the, in a couple campaigns so far. Join us to have a perspective from his side of the table um, a little bit later. Uh, but first, a few announcements on our end. Uh, first off, uh, make sure to check out DungeonJediMasters.com for links to all of our content. And uh, a huge thank you to all of those uh, followers, s- subscribers, listeners, and whatnot out there. Uh, including uh, our Patreons. Uh, Big thanks to all of you. Uh, We do have one new Patreon as of this podcast uh, in Tier 3. So Brent, uh, thank you to you. Um, I reached out to Brent. He actually reached out the other day asking a question about one of our uh, past adventures, so I hope that goes well. And uh, he does have the opportunity to join our play-by-post game, so hopefully we'll maybe see him. And I think that's kind of at a point where we can uh, gain some new players either way. Uh, either way, so if you're in tier three and you haven't joined yet, uh, it'd be excellent to have you. And uh, also, uh, speaking of Patreon, we have uh, part two of our uh, kind of ongoing adventure here, campaign adventure. Uh, so as we said, this is a plot point campaign. So these middle sections, once it's all said and done, will be interchangeable uh, in the order at least, and then they'll all uh, feed into that final, uh, you know, outcome. But uh, part two, outside influence. Uh, so. For those that have uh, picked up part one, uh, you guys have just escaped Alderaan for the attack. And uh, along with Prince Zane, hopefully, hopefully nothing uh, tragic happened with there. But uh, he has an unlikely contact that uh, he's going to uh, bring up that uh, potentially will allow the party to uh, try and recruit some uh, forces uh, amongst them. And, uh, you know, to build up towards, uh, you know, maybe going back to against this invasion of the Sith on Alderaan. So I uh, definitely going to utilize some good kind of investigation, stealth skill challenges and things like that, which I think will be fun. So that will be out uh, today with the podcast. So those Patreon members uh, look forward to that. Um, I think that's everything on our end. So uh, there are a few new Star Wars 5e releases. Uh, Tegan, I'll throw it over to you for that. Perfect. Yeah. So three new releases on that side. Uh, one of the new ones, uh, check it out, especially if you're a force or power user, they've added some new powers in there. Uh, there's some pretty sick ones. We're not going to go through them, but uh, if you want to kind of add a little bit more versatility, check them out. There's some definitely fun ones you can input for your PC on there. Uh, but one of the sweet ones actually came 
came out with a new archetype. So they came out with uh, an archetype for the fighter class called the Exhibition Specialist. Uh, so this would be a sweet one, especially if you wanted to have a charismatic fighter, uh, this would be the way to go with it. Uh, basically, it allows you to do a couple of big things. It kind of has a little bit of a gladiator type feel for it as well. Uh, but it also gives you uh, the Exhibition Specialist ability, which will give you a bonus proficiency. Uh, you can take it in the charisma skill of your choice, uh, whether that be performance, persuasion, intimidation, kind of however you want to go with uh, your character on that side. Uh, but it has one of the coolest level three um, kind of little archetype abilities. Uh, basically, it's going to allow you to get in the spotlight uh, where you can pick one uh, PC that's, or not one PC, one character uh, that's within 30 feet of you uh, and use a bonus action to mark them. Uh, and once you mark them, you can add half your charisma modifier to any weapon damage that you do. So get a little extra damage to it. Your crit range goes down by one. So you can hit crit on a 19 or 20 uh, and if they die you actually get um, the number of hit points equal to your fighter level plus your charisma modifier uh, so pretty sweet one especially if you um, wanted to go for kind of a little pit fighter style or kind of like a little uh, you know, somebody that really puts some flourishes into their fighting style this could be the good build to do that and really kind of rp and flavor that out the last one is uh, invocation versatility or versatility. Uh, this is something that they've done. So you may have noticed uh, probably about six, seven months ago now, uh, all the classes uh, that didn't have it initially got what they're calling invocations, which was just different customization items you could build into the class. Uh, so like for the monks, these are your vows. For the berserkers, these are your instincts. Uh, but with this uh, variant role, and this is a variant, uh, will allow you to do, uh, sometimes players may feel that they picked a bad invocation just maybe doesn't fit the the flavor of the character or maybe they took their character in a whole different direction uh after they started playing them uh and this kind of just builds a rule set in for allowing you to re-choose your invocations uh without having to kind of rely on the dm just being kind of gracious to you to allow that to happen uh so this is definitely a fun one just allows people to really make sure that they're playing the character the really way they want to Excellent. Yeah. Another, you know, the good choice. I kind of do that myself with uh, powers and things, you know, when you level up, generally that's the general rules. You get to swap something out, but you know, things happen, you, you know, as you said, characters change. So it's good, a uh, good addition there. Uh, I believe that's everything announcements wise intro and whatnot. So I think we can get over to our main, uh, you know, main episode here. So we're going to bring in uh, the interview uh, guest spot with uh Indy, uh, and uh, talk about how to improve as a player. All right, everyone. Uh, we have Indiana Sloan with us today. Indy, how you doing? I'm uh, doing great, guys. How are you doing? Doing pretty well, man. We got uh, Oberon out here in Michigan, so I've been living my spring life. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Tis, uh, tis the season for Oberon. I have not uh, ventured out to pick up any yet, but uh, usually do that every spring, summertime. Yeah, little little early for me as as I mentioned the other day on our session, but uh, yeah, definitely glad to get into that stuff. Um, so, Indy has been a player in a couple of my games. Um, man, I'm what was your character's name in Tempest Feud? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Tempest Feud. I was uh, Rick's Farron. Rick's, that's right. So Rick's in Tempest Feud, and then um, Dak in uh, Living Force right now on Sundays. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, the topic today is is uh, ways that you can improve as a player. Um, there's plenty of stuff out there as a DM, uh, things to help you improve in that area. But we want to flip things over to the other side of the table. And we brought Indian to have a player perspective. We didn't want this to be DMs talking to the players. 
uh, you know, and telling players what to do. Uh, we, we definitely have suggestions from our side of the table, but we want somebody as a player as well um, that, you know, that offers some perspective there too. So uh, first things though, Indy, uh, we always like to get to know our guests a little bit. Uh, tell us quickly just your history with uh, tabletops and what you've been involved with. Yeah, really, I guess I'm sort of a newbie when it comes to the uh, tabletop arena. It's always something I've been interested in, had done some like little mini one shot sort of things in the past. And then in 2020, when, you know, everything really changed and started not being able to go out and do anything. And I was at home all the time, working from home, et cetera, just started to sort of dig into um, online, you know, tabletop RPGs, came across the Star Wars 5e system. Long story short, spin it forward, got introduced to uh, the Discord, found you, Todd, and uh, did a couple one shots and really enjoyed it. And I guess, yeah, like you mentioned, kind of just spiraled uh, from there and been in, in a couple of your campaigns, various one shots have now ventured off into some standard D&D 5e campaigns as well. So um, it's been a whirlwind of a year, I guess, since about this time last year, when I first uh, really dipped my toes into uh, the area. It's uh, it's very akin to a drug addiction, I would say. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Start, started off with, uh, you know, a couple one shots. Now it's like, yeah, two, three days a week. I've got a regular campaign that I'm involved in. Yep. So it, uh, yes, spiraled one out shots. of control quickly. One shots, the gateway <laughs> drug. Yeah. At least For you're not sure. buying a ton of dice though uh, with uh, <laughs> being virtual. That is, that is true. Yes. It's uh, the free, free rolls, but uh, yeah, once it goes back to in-person someday, I'll be, uh, I'm sure buying a lot of those math rocks. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing to collect for sure. So awesome. Um, well, I think we've got a good topic here, uh, you know, plenty to talk about. So um, we'll kind of just get into it and it'll be, uh, you know, for our listeners, a little bit of a just round table between the three of us, um, you know, so how to be a better player, um, as we said. Uh, what are the basic things that, um, you know, you can do when you sit down at the table? Uh, we'll probably touch on, you know, experience levels a little bit, of course. And so as Indy said, you know, he was kind of brand new to this. So that's obviously a different situation. Um, and, and maybe we'll, we'll kind of specifically touch on that with you, Indy, is, is in the beginning, you know, and then now that you've had a good year with a few campaigns under your belt, uh, what's the difference there? Um, Tegan, I'll just start with you. What are some initial things that uh, you would you would mention to our players uh, just to keep in mind, um, you know, to sit down, maybe kind of look at it that uh, we're starting down, sitting down for a new campaign. Definitely. So for sitting down for a new campaign, um, one of the biggest things would be just to kind of take a quick look through like your class and just kind of those base level rules. Uh, you don't have to do like an in-depth dive on it, uh, but just kind of know what your class does. And just really, especially for new players, this is kind of one of those hard things too, because a lot of times new players, you're not going to know the game as well enough to know if you're going to like a class. Uh, but just take that kind of cursory glance through to so you know exactly kind of what you can expect from the class. Uh, and then uh, it's still going to have some bumps as you first start playing, but at least that way you'll know how everything should go and have a little bit of a basis to work from uh, that the DM can help you refine. So you're not just coming into a completely kind of a blank slate. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, as, as someone myself, who's gone from a new player to a new DM, et cetera, I lean on players a lot uh, to understand their, their class and whatnot, uh, you know, cause there's, there's so many uh, options out there, rules and things for, for an individual class. And then you times that by what 10 of them, I think there are. So, um, 
you know, one thing as a player that helps the DM is, is if you understand your stuff and while the DMs, yes, you want to know as much as you can, it helps when you can, you know, rely on the players because they understand uh, their stuff. So, you know, definitely a good thing to focus there. A hundred percent, especially with Star Wars 5e. With D&D, like traditional 5e, it's a little bit not easier because there's a limited amount of subclasses for each class. Uh, but I think we're at like close to a hundred now for different archetypes uh, with this system. So like it's impossible for the DM unless they research all their player classes to know exactly what each archetype will do. <laughs> any input there indy yeah no i mean i think you know echoing what you guys just said i think yeah it is important for the players to understand your class what your actions are what your bonus actions are if you're getting the spells you know kind of review those and understand it because the tegan's point there's so many out there now that it's uh almost impossible for the dm i think to keep up with it um and understand what they all do and I would say, too, you know, from a new player perspective, and this is no means saying like, hey, you must do this. This is like a rule or anything. But for me, what I found easier sort of getting into it is starting with classes that maybe don't get into maybe some of the complexity of all the spell casting or tech casting force powers, things like that, because that can get pretty overwhelming pretty quick. And then it just feels like so much for a new player to understand. So I've found it easier, I think, to sort of get up to speed with the system in general, starting with, you know, a standard sort of like an operative or more of like a martial class where like, it's not that you have limited amount of things to do, but you have more of a finite number of things to do. And it's easier, I think, to feel comfortable and get you, you know, get into the groove of the system. So then as you go forward with it, you feel like, hey, now I've seen other casters playing campaigns or one shots with me. So I understand what casters do now. So coming into it from a completely new perspective, that's one of the things that uh, really helped me at least. Yeah, a little bit uh, kind of your point there at the end there is, you know, learning by association. You said, you know, other players are doing that so you can pick up on that. Yeah, that, I think that's a great point. You know, definitely uh, pay attention to the others. Um, you know, an overarching point that we'll probably hit on is, is uh, you know, make sure the game moves smoothly. Um, you know, we'll definitely get in here into, into combat because that's one of the big things that combat can kind of, you know, get, get bogged down and whatnot. And um, but just in general, like pay attention to what you got going on, but, you know, listen to others, um, you know, so know the rules, know your class, taking notes. Uh, I think taking notes is, is a good thing. Um, I, I've had some excellent players that take real good notes and then they remind me of things again. You know, as a DM, sometimes you just don't catch up on everything. Uh, I love that. Um, you know, it's helped uh, that I stream all the games and you don't have to necessarily stream them, but if you just record your your games, uh, if because most of us I know are digitally, man, I can go back there and I can reference things on the VOD and that is so helpful because it's like, oh, what happened there? Who said this? Um, so that's great. You know, as a player, take notes and it doesn't have to be, you know, some super nice outline. I mean, whatever works for you personally, but just to have that reference, I think helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Sure, especially like if there's like, kind of a beat that's specific to your character too. Uh, this taking notes or kind of finding some way you can reference back to that, especially if, uh, if your DM likes to do callbacks and things like that, it could be kind of a lifesaver for both you and the DM just to make sure a plot hook doesn't go to waste or kind of a critical moment's not missed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially one of the things I struggle with, I think is because if you don't hear the name constantly, you don't actually see like a person's face, you know, associate a face with a name, but sometimes NPC characters and remembering, okay, Oh, uh, who was that Bothan we talked to three weeks ago? So I think keeping a list of sort of all the NPCs you encounter 
what their importance is into Todd's point. It doesn't have to be, you know, a long drawn out novel about each session, but some, you know, bullet point notes that work for you. Um, you know, whatever I guess is going to help you remember things, I think just helps you feel more engaged with the session. So as you're going forward and reference other characters, you don't have to necessarily stop and think, okay, let me go back and try to remember and have to ask who that NPC was. One of the other things I've started doing too, that I think has really helped me from a character development, almost from an RP uh, standpoint is I'm taking notes and then morphing them a little bit into almost like a character journal. Like what's my character's perspective on just, you know, what happened, not necessarily the facts, bullet points, we met person X, Y, Z and did this. It's, hey, my character's writing his, you know, dear diary at the end of the day. And here's how I felt about things. And it kind of helps you sort of build out your character in addition to, you know, keeping notes as well. Yeah, that's, uh, we've talked about that a couple of times. You mentioned that and it's it's an excellent thing. And it's, it's nothing that has to be outward facing to anybody else. Um, you know, could be cool if you did reveal that, uh, you know, depending on how you set up your campaign. But um, yeah, it, it, as you said, it helps with the notes and then gets into that character, that, you know, role play aspect, which is another thing that we'll definitely touch on here uh, in a bit. But um, yeah, you know, taking good notes helps, um, you know, with all that stuff. Uh, so let's see what else, uh, you know, know your spells, know your powers, know your the rules, know the class, things like that. Um, you know, whatever can kind of reduce the amount of interruptions throughout the throughout the game because you really want to stay as immersed as much as possible um it, you know there's a lot going on so it's not easy to do that but uh you know those things help um anything well, else on that stuff yeah go ahead Tegan. yeah 100 on the know your spells and powers if i think there's one big thing that kind of slows the game down is having to like kind of re especially if you don't research the power before your turn and you have to kind of spend the time on your turn going through and trying to figure out exactly what it does it just kind of interrupts that flow so if like any like just kind of step one or not step one but one of the biggest hurdles for, i think for being a good new player just to know exactly what your powers are doing uh and if you can and like other people are taking their turns just kind of read up on them so you know exactly what it would do so you can throw it in put forth to the dm and kind of keep everything rolling for the combat or situation you're in absolutely and and that's a great transition i think is is combat's you know one of the biggest things it's it's a large aspect of uh of the system um you know and generally most campaigns it it, it takes a massive chunk of time uh with all the turn order and whatnot so uh the d as a dm you're juggling a lot of things multiple uh, enemies usually you're paying attention to the the players as well so as a player yourself um tegan what are your initial things for a player to do uh in combat definitely uh, so outside of knowing your abilities uh just paying attention to kind of like uh i feel like so not zone out but sometimes people may not pay as much of attention uh until their turn comes up uh but if you just kind of pay attention to the flow kind of what's going on with the different your other pcs uh as well as the uh the npcs you're attacking i think just kind of keeping an eye on that will help first keep you in the moment kind of keep you in like uh kind of rp or kind of into the game flow uh but it'll also help with speeding the game up so you know exactly what the tactical situation is it'll make it a little easier for you to figure out what your pc would do next whether that be the optimal action or kind of whatever their their flavor would do in the situation so just keeping an eye out i think would be my first big suggestion yeah and i i try to i don't do it all the time um i try to give the you know next person like say okay tegan you're up indy you're on deck 
And then that's a little heads up, say, hey, you know, start getting prepared. Uh, you know, definitely a thing is a DM you can do to kind of help the players. Because um, sometimes, yeah, it's, it is easy to kind of zone out there and, and uh, do that. And um, as far as the engagement, we have a couple uh, things here later we'll talk about from an RP sta uh, standpoint in combat. But um, absolutely, you know, just, just paying attention to everything that's going on and situations change. It's a very uh, living situation in combat. So you might plan out a move and then it completely has to change. But, you know, kind of plan for a couple things and, and you know, learn to be versatile there. Uh, as a player, Indy, what are your thoughts on that initially? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two sides of it. Like you mentioned, we'll get into more of the RP side of it um, later. But from a mechanical, you know, sort of perspective, uh, you know, rule number one is you know, pay attention. I think especially in this more digital way of playing, you're on a computer, so it's very easy to have pop-up notifications for, you know, Discord or messengers or looking at your phone, and then all of a sudden, it's your turn. If you're if the DM saying, "Hey, it's your turn." and you haven't already thought about what you're going to do, you're already kind of late. You're behind schedule at that point. Um, and the thing I try to do too, and initially when you're a new player, again, I, I get it. It can be totally overwhelming. I was there this time last year. And sometimes it's hard to know and you start to think like, hey, what's the optimized thing to do here to get the most benefit or how's the best way to use this spell for max damage or whatever the case might be. But if you think about D&D &D rounds, they're supposed to be, you know, a few seconds. And sometimes it should be, you know, put yourself in the mindset of what would my character do? Like my character might be caught off guard and may not think to, oh, you know, cast this force power. Maybe just think, hey, just do this real quick action and get away from the combat because he's getting overwhelmed. And that dips a little bit, I think, into the RP perspective. But what I like to do too is just as, you know, as soon as I make my do my turn, I started thinking about, okay, I'll be up again timeline wise and, you know, a few seconds. So start to think, okay, what's your next move going to be almost as you're making the existing. So think almost like in chess, think one, two, you know, moves ahead a little bit, but to your point, Todd, you have to be dynamic and, you know, flexible and kind of improv on the fly because something could totally change as other players go with their actions as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and I like the, the, the point of, um, you know, like optimizing your turn. Like, yeah, it is a game. Like there's, there's certain players that like to do that and really optimize, you know, what they're doing. Um, and then the other half, and this is, I guess, just a little bit of a personal preference here is I like the story aspect of it, the narrative, you know, RP aspect. So like you said, what is your character doing? You know, not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to specifically do this move because it's going to do the most impact. I mean, yes, your character might think that way, but react to the situation, you know, a, a big wall of crates just fell and, and near you or something like, okay, I'm going to utilize that or, or whatever, or your one of your companions just went down, like, does that affect you? you know, how does that, those situations. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Tegan, anything on that? Yeah. Anything else? Nothing big on that. Completely agree. It's just, especially with how many things can change from situation to situation. It's always kind of cool to keep your player kind of in, in touch with what's going on. And especially if there's a kind of a cool piece going on with either a player going down or, uh, the big bad just reviewed, revealed something or some, something crazy happens. It's always kind of cool to adjust on the fly and kind of make sure you're RPing into and keeping your player or your PC actually invested in the, the real world actions that are going on. 
Jason. As a player, though, I'm not sure how, how cool it is to have a, a player go down. I'm sure it's much more fun from a DM perspective than as the, uh, the player who uh, gets taken down or sees his, uh, his buddy fall next to him in battle. But, uh, <laughs> yep, for sure. For sure. With our, with our roll 20 luck, you know. All right, yeah. So, few and far between. So I think we've covered a lot of the, you know, these basic things uh, as a player. Um, and I think we can switch gears now. We've touched on it a little bit, um, but, you know, a little bit more of maybe the RP side of things. Um, you know, definitely a pretty wide open topic, uh, lots of things you can consider. And it's, it's a heavy element of the game. And, you know, this also, certain players are going to be more comfortable with this than others. Um, you know, this isn't certainly saying that if you don't RP well, that you're a bad player. Uh, you know, there's that comfort level, um, which is, is fine. But um, there, there's ways that you can bring that out in, in the game that kind of helps. And specifically, I think combat's one that we'll touch on. Um, and, and we might, yeah, we might as well just go right there. So uh, describing your combat actions. So kind of we talked about... Um, you know, being unengaged during combat uh, when it's not your turn. If you as a player are, you know, really describing what you're doing um, and it, one, it helps the DM because you're doing it. The DM doesn't have to do that. Um, you know, DMs, I try as a DM to describe players' actions. Um, but if, if you're doing it as a player, uh, you know, maybe the other players will kind of get into that too. You know, they're not just listening to you say, all right, I shoot the target. Like you describe something uh, that, that happens and goes down. Um, Indy, I know this is something we've talked about quite a bit. So uh, I'll throw it over to you here first, if you want to touch on that more. Yeah, I think a combat can can drag on at times. I'm just be honest, I guess, with you know the number of actions, bonus actions, reactions, things you can do if people you know have to take time and think through, which is totally fine. But it can get, I guess, from a player perspective, it's not as engaging for you to sit there and listen to other people to say, um, I attack this person, I, you know, cunning action, do this, and then, okay, my turn's over. I think if you can kind of add some narrative, both from a action perspective to kind of describe what you're doing, and, and if you're not, you know, you're starting off, it doesn't have to be anything crazy it doesn't have to be you know oscar worthy you know screenwriting and describing your actions it could be just something as simple as you know um i pull my you know blaster pistol and move to try to take cover behind these crates and as i do i fire um shots over at the the pirates across the room hey okay that was pretty simple but it added a little bit more flavor a little bit more scene setting on what's going on with your actions opposed to um, I move 25 feet to the right side of the room and I use my, um, you know, attack on this right. NPC. Yeah. And I think too, once you get kind of comfortable with that, then you can start sort of building in, why are you doing that? It could be something we talked about, you know, to Tegan's point, another player went down. So you can say, hey, I see uh, so-and-so is under attack. And because of that, I, I think they're in danger. So I'm going to focus my attacks or my, you know, blaster fire at the enemy who's t attacking him to try to, you know, help save them, that kind of a thing. Again, you're starting to add some more narrative storytelling elements to the, the combat encounter, which I think just doesn't do anything except help and add more uh, to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tegan, anything to add to that? 
Oh, definitely a hundred percent on that one. And especially when it comes from the player too, because I like how I mentioned, like a lot of times the DM, I try to add a little extra flavor to it, but it, it does kind of come through better just to kind of make that more uh, of an encompassing experience. I think when the player kind of adds that little extra piece of uh, flavor or kind of description to their actions just to really make it kind of in depth. Uh, but I definitely agree though, too, to your point, because I finally got to start playing again. I hadn't played for a little while. Uh, and it can't be as such a combat drags on if you've got like one attack style. It can't be hard to think of different ways to narratively go through that, uh, mm-hmm. which because as a DM, it's a little bit easier even with, even with different monster types, but I f- forgot how much more difficult you would have just one player with this one kind of attack <laughs> style. How it could be to describe it differently each time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there, there's definitely lots of good resources out there. I, I kind of use them as a DM to like uh, basically just th- a thesaurus type thing, uh, ways to describe, uh, you know, actions, attacks, whatever. Um, but uh yeah, you know, in indie, as you said, it, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, just a simple description. And then, you know, to go one step further, and this is where something that I think, um, you, know, you don't want to be too drawn out here in combat, it's already a little long, but I think this would definitely draw in some of your other players too, is, is if you describe, go, go beyond your actions and talk about maybe some emotions and things that you're internally thinking, like, um, so I look across the room and I see that, uh, you know, I see Indy goes down and uh, it just go, it, it takes me back to that time on, uh, you know, Yavin when I was fighting, whatever. And you just describe this, this quick little internal monologue that you have and maybe reveal some backstory elements and thing and, and you know, build your character. It's, combat is a perfect opportunity for that, for those situations. You know, it's, it's not all, you know, rolling the dice and things and, and it's still, uh, you still can role play during combat. Um, and, and so that's another area that you can do that and that potentially maybe you reveal something pretty significant during combat and, you know, hopefully your other players are paying attention to that because that could be a really cool, cool situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think from a, um, you know, from a DM perspective, you know, you guys, you know, correct me, I guess if I'm wrong here too. Um, I think it does help sometimes, you know, a lot of DMs I've played with are good when it's set, like when you get the killing blow, when you finish somebody off, they'll say, Hey, describe how, how you take this person out or how you take this monster out. And that's usually kind of a cool moment. Now it's like, Hey, let me think of this cool, you know, John wick move I did with my blaster pistols, you know, take this guy out and kind of, but I think even DMS could ask, you know, and not necessarily every time, but sometimes maybe remind players if they start just saying, Hey, I move and I attack, I move and I attack. Maybe just remind them like, Hey, you know, you know, feel you know, describe what you're, what your attack is or how you're going to attack that droid or that monster. And just again, especially with newer players, maybe that aren't as used to getting into that mindset. Um, I think, you know, those kind of little nudges from the DM can definitely help remind players like, Oh yeah, I should think about that. Or it is, it is okay for me to, you know, sort of improv some RP into the combat and get more comfortable with doing so. For sure. Yeah. I, and actually uh, that kind of just reminded me, um, you know, I've, I really try to encourage my players to, to do things, to earn inspiration more. I, I reward, I reward everyone one inspiration point at the beginning of every session. Uh, so that's ready, they're ready to go. Um, and, and then I want them to do things cause I want them to, you know, earn that later. And, and combat is that one area too, where I, I want to focus on is, is do these really good descriptions, e- even when you're doing the attack. Um, cause I think too, and Tegan, I think you've probably utilized this as well as a DM is if a player goes and if they go, I rush forward 25 feet and I slash them with my ax. Cool. All right. That's your turn. That's fine. Do that. 
I run up, I leap off the box, and I do the spin around in the air, and I just slash down with my axe heavily as I scream out, you know, to the, um, what's the Trandoshan, uh, the, the, not the key master, the point guy, point guy. Oh, uh, score master. Score master, thank you, there you go, yeah. So, you know, you do this big flare, like, yeah, man, I might throw you a bonus on that. I mean, that's cool if you do something like that. Like, you know, as, as a DM personally, you know, I might reward that because you, you're kind of going that little bit of extra and uh, it's exciting. It's fun uh, to listen to that stuff. So um, I think definitely uh, just kind of expands on what you're saying there, Andy, for sure. That's a good point about too, doing inspiration for combat. Uh, so that's what I really haven't done that too much, but that could be kind of a good way to help kind of get a little extra incentive to get some more flavor in there. So, uh, you know, we've probably beat combat to death here. We could keep going on about that. Um, and I guess we've been talking a little bit uh, about, you know, group interaction, keeping everyone engaged. Um, but that, of course, happens throughout the entire, you know, session. Um, you know, not hogging the scene. Uh, you know, definitely want to, um, you know, be aware of that. And actually, I guess uh, before I go to you, Indy, with your inputs on this, um, Tegan, in because we've both been players in each other's games as well. Um, and I, I do this. I sometimes will just sit there and let there just be dead space. And my, my point is to have the players basically take control of the scene. And um, I've been fortunate that a lot of times they do. And some of the greatest moments have been when I just shut up as a DM and the players just, they just RP. I mean, just out of the blue, because there's nothing going on. I want to say that uh, I, I, potentially see that in in like the hunted game tegan uh would you say that that's a little bit of an intention on your part definitely so last session especially uh, i kind of let some blank areas there for you guys just to kind of fill in and you guys fantastically did it uh so i, I think that's a dm and silence especially when you're first getting started silence can be like nerve-wracking but like you mentioned kind of giving them that space and kind of letting them kind of jump up and kind of go along with it uh, allows people to flesh their characters out allows them to kind of get some more interaction with the party because uh, a lot of times the dm like the and i've definitely been guilty of this like the the kind of the inclinations is to kind of put like event point event point event point event point kind of keep everything moving right. uh, but sometimes that silence or that kind of that dead space can really get some of that best interaction out yeah, one of my favorites is uh, was in Tempest Feud, and it was just after like the dinner party situation, and um, I think the group had uh, was was basically getting detained, and I just kind of, you know, either I was processing something or whatever, and I just didn't say anything, and uh, Indy and uh, one of the other characters, they just they just started saying something, and it was just it was this hilarious moment that they just kind of pulled out of the blue, and you know, just to have this opportunity. So as a player. You know, if there's silence, you know, say something like it, it. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the DM's waiting to do something. I mean, they're waiting maybe for you to do something. Uh, Indy, as a player on your side, um, you know, tell us about that. I mean, is is it uh, is it helpful enough, or is it recognizable enough? I should say um, when there's those pauses that you should jump in. Yeah, I think so. Because I think it'll even you know spinning it back to one of the earliest things we talked about about staying engaged and keeping up with what's going on if you're staying engaged and all of a sudden there's just like this pause in uh description from the dm or a pause in the action it's like you know if you think back to like you know a star wars movie like they don't just sit in the cockpit of the falcon and just you know in silence for you know three four minutes there's something you know you could just it's something as simple as you know make a comment like well that was that last encounter, you know, that last guy we encountered, that was uh, unexpected. Or man, you know, I could use a drink after all that. Or just, just something you would 
like in natural life, you're not just going to sit there in a room with your, you know, buddies and just stare at each other in silence for a few minutes. You're going to, somebody's going to say something, make a joke, do, you know, somehow engage um, with the rest of the group. So, yeah, I mean, I do think those are great opportunities to sort of, you know, just add in little bits and pieces. And again, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, well, let me tell you about, you know, my tragic backstory during this pause in the action. It's just some, something as simple as, you know, how you're feeling right now, or, hey, wow, I'm looking forward to, you know, finishing this job and getting those credits. I've been eyeing that new blaster, you know, whatever, just kind of fill the, fill the air with just, you know, natural sort of dialogue. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be dialogue too. It, it can be actions as well. I think that's, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, so I just go and I, I sit over on the crate and I think about something or whatever, you know, and then, because sometimes when a character does an action, maybe another character sees that and says, oh, okay. And, then, you know, it, it just, yeah, it, it's just a point to hopefully a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things to kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, just kind of those group interactions. Uh, I feel like for both the DM and the players, when you actually start building those connections between the PCs, like, so you start to kind of actually get to know each other, how to have those like real interactions. Uh, it just really elevates the game. And it's one of those started things from the DM side to kind of push those along but when a good player i think one of the best like kind of signs of a, a good player is when they start to kind of like forge those interactions and kind of get start to build that like actual team-based feel for the party uh versus just kind of a collection of people that got thrown together and are just kind of all doing their own things in the same direction yeah it's you know definitely that more collaborative aspect uh, you know it's, it's the opposite of hogging the scene it's it's you know bringing everyone in um you know, just some past, uh, you know, examples of mine. I know like, uh, dab was really good at that in, in Tempest feud. He was just cause he's a very seasoned player and DM that, you know, he picked up on a few of the other players that were newer and he was very good as a character, you know, roping them in, turning to somebody say, what do you think about this or whatever? So as a DM, you can do that. You can, you know, if someone's kind of being quiet, call on them and, and, you know, maybe, maybe the NPC specifically, uh, directs to them, but as a player, do that as well. Pay attention. And, uh, you know, if, if you happen to be a little bit more of an outgoing player, recognize those that aren't and, uh, you know, throw in a little, uh, you know, poke to them to kind of bring them into things. Cause I think that can open, open the players up. And it just, as you said, it creates that group, uh, cohesion. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe actually playing with dab is in one of my first campaigns, maybe where I started, uh, you know, learn, to do that. Um, cause one of the things I like to try and do and sort of, you know, remind myself to do it is it's sometimes easy as a player. If, um, another player, you know, rolls a perception check or an insight check or something and the DMX describes what that player sees or understands or notices. Well, my character, I have, obviously I heard that. So me as the, the, the person behind the player knows and wouldn't necessarily need to ask because I know what they saw, but putting myself into that player perspective, well, I didn't, I don't hear this magic DM voice from on high telling me what the other people see, you know, trying not to metagame it. So I think it's a good opportunity sometimes just to remember to ask another player, like, Hey, uh, what's going on over there? Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you see here? And again, it kind of helps to your point, pull them in and sort of give them an an opening that may not necessarily feel comfortable opening that door themselves you just give it a you know, crack that door a little bit and say hey i'm i'm inviting you in to uh you know rp here a little bit with describing what your character is feeling or noticing 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely. It, it kind of, it, it makes me think of something else too, that, uh, you know, probably was a little bit for the earlier section of the basics, but, um, not, not asking specifically for, uh, checks and rolls. That's one of my personal pet peeves. Uh, your character wouldn't be like, uh, can I make a medicine check? Like what? No, you're, you're going to inspect the body. Um, for me personally, because there, not every situation calls for a role you might your character it just might be an easy situation or your character has the expertise where it's just going to happen I, I mean that that happens it's not always rolling the dice because the dice could you know screw you over and then you fail and that might not make sense and then that throws things off so um you know one thing as a player don't ask specifically for checks rp what you're trying to do uh but to that point you know with what you're saying indy is is yeah like you know listen to what other players are doing and and because that can definitely lead into other interactions, certainly. Yeah, and I think along the the lines of, you know, don't ask specifically for checks. I think when you don't constrain yourself to the list of skills or attributes that you have, like, okay, I've got investigation, I've got medicine, I've got nature, I've got this thing. I don't know what I would do here. Just just describe, explain what your character is going to do. Like, I'm going to go over and check the console for any signs of tampering. I'm going to go over and look at the body to see you know, how they were killed and then let the DM decide, you know, leave it up to the DM yep. to say, Hey, roll a medicine yep. check, roll a nature check, technology check, whatever the case might be. Cause I think if you as a player limit yourself to what you see on the character sheet, you're not giving yourself, I guess, sort of that flexibility and ability to fully, I guess, get into the character and into the world because it, it's not necessarily, you're not limited to what's on your character sheet you can say other things and leave it up to the DM to decide if that's way too far, like that's not possible, you know, kind of let the DM decide what's possible and what's not just describe what your character would, would do. 100% on that one. Just going to give some more flexibility. This sort of helps kind of keep that flavor going as well. Keep everybody immersed in kind of that game world that's being presented. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Wrap this up here uh, on that topic, and then we'll kind of wrap up the, the whole discussion. Um, one additional thing on that is, in the description of what you're doing, uh, you know, sometimes it'll be a tool check or whatever, and it'll be like, okay, what attribute do I want to use for that? Or maybe a player wants to use, you know, uh, persuasion versus deception or whatever. Role play those out, you know, as you just said, Indy, make the DM decide, but really give them a strong argument. Like if you want to use dexterity versus intelligence for your kit, describe that. Like, I'm going to go and try and maneuver this thing and, and, you know, it's very tiny and I'm just really trying to be accurate with my tools, you know, kind of offer that up. So it's not just up to the DM and, and you can make an argument for, you know, what's going to be more successful for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think just kind of wrapping that con conversation up is to me, I guess the one big advantage that like a tabletop RPG has over say like a PC game or a console game, like a, like a fallout or something like that is you're not actually constrained or confined to what the program or what the game is developed to let you do. Mm -hmm. And D&D, &D, Star Wars 5e, you can decide to do anything. Like there's no limit on kind of your imagination. So use it, let the, let the DM sort of be responsible for, you know, putting the, you know, hurting the cats and hurting the thoughts on what's, what's going on here and uh, let them decide if that's an option for you to do or not. So, you know, just be creative with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So one last thing, uh, I think we've touched on this throughout the, uh, throughout the spot here, but, uh, Indy over to you, 
what uh, what are some things that as a player um, maybe DMs could specifically do to help out the players uh, throughout the throughout the game throughout the session? Yeah, I mean, I think from the the beginning that we've talked about is definitely setting those sort of expectations. Like, hey, I know you may be used to asking for specific checks or limiting yourself to what's on the sheet, but I'm you know if you're the style of DM that says, hey, I want you to get creative, you know, make me think, you know, make it hard for me sometimes to to keep up, you know, you know, free, free form, you know, freestyle what's going on out there, setting that expectation, I guess, to say, Hey, this is an area. This is a game where you can do those sorts of things. Um, so the players, I guess, feel comfortable with it. Um, you know, I think asking, like you mentioned too, to, um, describe things, like if you see somebody's not engaged or they they feel maybe more hesitant or reserved on speaking up, you know, ask them specifically, Hey, um, so, you know, so-and-so, what are you doing while all this is going on? Cause I think sometimes it is easy for players, especially that are new to sort of take a back seat and not necessarily feel comfortable. Cause there's like, oh, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to say something dumb. Um, so they're not as, I guess, outgoing or eager to jump into a conversation or jump into an RP moment. So I think DMs can easily, easily recognize that probably. And, um, you know, help nudge them along a little bit by, uh, you know, asking them specific questions like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think all, uh, all great points, you know, from that side of the table. So awesome. Uh, Tegan, any other final thoughts from you on, I guess the, you know, subject as a whole. Yeah, nothing too big. I think one of the biggest, especially if you're a player just looking to kind of up your game on that side, feel free to reach out to your DM. Your DM probably has some likely thoughts or things that they can kind of help you out with on that side. I know they'd be happy to hear from you on that aspect. So definitely don't worry about it. Don't think like you're bugging them. They'll be happy to go through it with you. Mm-hmm. And I would say even too, from a, a player perspective, I know Todd, you'd mentioned sometimes it's, it's nice to let the players um, sort of, bring things up maybe that gives you as a dm some ideas for you know additional plot hooks you know side things um you know if your character has some you know thoughts or you know backstory sort of things you know drop those in in the session if if you're not sure how to bring up a certain idea or a uh, plot point or backstory thing for your character i think you mentioned you know message your dm directly and say hey i've been thinking about this and this be collaborative with it. There's nothing in this is like it has is is siloed. The players DM have to be consistently collaborative in the process to make, I think it rewarding and enjoyable for everybody. If the DM is just doing their thing and the players are doing their thing. I think at the end of the day, DM's not really having fun with it. Players aren't having fun with it. It's not as a good of experience for everybody that way. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Well, uh, I think uh, lots of great conversation to hear. Uh, Indy, thank you very much for joining us to discuss this topic that I, we could probably go on and on further about. So. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, definitely enjoyed the conversation, guys, and uh, I was glad to join you on it. So, all righty. Well, hopefully um, that helps everyone out there, uh, you know, with some suggestions as players and then maybe DMs too. There's some things you can pick up just to help kind of help your players and, and vice versa. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much again, Indy. Thanks for joining us, man. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, so great to talk with Indy there uh, on this topic. Uh, so much more we probably could have discussed. Uh, so definitely uh, a good one out there. Please let us know your thoughts. And if you have any specific tips as a player, uh, you know, on how to specifically improve yourself and whatnot. 
with that, uh, I think that's all of, uh, for us today. We will see you uh, in a couple weeks for the next episode. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.